buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. Hey, before we start today's episode, I wanted to bring you in on the best kept secret in B2B sales. If you're serious about social selling and your only strategy is cold DMs through LinkedIn, you're missing the mark big time. Learn how a fully managed revenue generating podcast can change your life and your pipeline at salescast.co. Welcome to today's episode of Sales Transformation. Today I had on Marco Hosian and I had a lot of fun uh, having a conversation with Marco and learning about his story. We connected over LinkedIn. I didn't know a ton about his story, but uh, like myself, he grew up poor and uh, became an entrepreneur and had uh, several successful exits and um, started two businesses that for some people would you know consider pretty successful, but kind of hit a roof and found that they weren't scalable and, and walked away from those businesses to start something now that he's much more passionate about. Uh, and you'll learn about that inside today's episode. So I hope that you enjoy it. Marco, welcome to Sales Transformation. How are you doing? Very well. So um, I'm calling from Ljubljana, Slovenia, and it's very hot here. So the temperature gets up to 38 degrees Celsius. Yeah, we count in Celsius, not Fahrenheit. So uh, that means very hot. <laughs> that, I love that calculation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting there as you were saying it, trying to think, uh, okay, how hot is that? But yeah, it sounds hot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, what time is it over there right now? So now it's uh, five in the evening, afternoon. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're you're ending mm. your day. I'm starting my day. Um, exactly. You've you've had a lot of success. Let's just kind of start at the beginning. Um, you know, give us your story and kind of what your journey's been like, and we can pull some learning lessons out of there for you know everybody that's tuning in today. Sure. So um, I believe my my entrepreneurship path started with me uh, being very poor when I was little. I, I lived with my mom because my parents divorced, and immediately I realized that money is very important. So I started actually my entrepreneurship path very early in uh, high school. And the first uh, serious company when I was a student, it was actually a marketing agency. And then it started from there. So um, my first bigger successful business was actually a um, sailing school. Together we organized uh, party sailing trips here in Europe, mostly in Croatia and Greece. And um, I sold that business successfully. 
than some other businesses. But the, the problem actually was that, that I was seeing over and over again that I always started a business that I couldn't scale, really scale mm. big. So uh, the latest was actually a language school, which again, we realized we couldn't scale. Of course, if we, if we would tr tr transition then into a online platform like Duolingo or something similar, those are really unicorn businesses, especially now in, in Corona times, they're really blossoming, but we didn't either way. But um, it actually all came up to, to Taya, the business that I'm running now which is the first business actually that I believe it, it, that it is scalable and I'm really looking forward to, to continue this work. All right. So mm. you started early. Uh, interesting because mm. uh, we have kind of a similar story. I also grew up uh, very poor with no money um, over here. You know, we, I was raised by a single mom with three brothers. Uh, my dad, unfortunately preferred spending most of his time behind bars in prison rather than with his family. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was a struggle. My mom had to work nights and it was a struggle just to keep food on the table and pay the bills. And, um, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I just kind of similar to yourself, I knew I didn't want to be poor. <laughs> that was it. Mm -hmm. And nobody really was telling me that uh, school was important or anything like that. So when I got my first sales job, I said, this is, this is my way out. You know, I put, put everything I had into that. Um, so I want to dig into kind of your, you, you know, you, you started off as an entrepreneur early, I think you said in high school. Uh, yeah, yeah. But th th those were different times. So, being poor actually means to suffer and out of suffering in my belief um motivation thrives yes so actually there um at those times i believe i've gained some something that i still have today so a lot of motivation and especially motivation to grow so um when i was in high school uh at that time napster was was being really really um popular so i i had a good internet connection so i downloaded i copied cds and then uh, sold it to other guys at school and made, made money with it so it wasn't an actual business but uh, it was something yeah mm -hmm. yeah when, i mean when you have to be creative and find ways to earn to just you know have simple things that are not so simple for somebody like you and me, you can get pretty creative. You know, I, I you would come up with ideas uh, not as creative as yours there. I love that idea. Um, but, you know, for me, it was like if I wanted new shoes, I had to figure out a way to pay for them because, you know, or else it wasn't happening. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm super curious, something that you mentioned with your first two companies is, you know, you had some success, but they weren't scalable. So I kind of want to dig into what wasn't scalable um, and you know why that was important. Mm -hmm. So there are businesses that can be great where you can make a million, couple of million, or even a couple of 10 million of revenue. And they're great businesses. Mm -hmm. And I respect those businessmen. But that's a totally different business, a totally different mindset than a scalable or a startup businesses. Yeah. So at that time, I didn't understand. I didn't have any mentor mentor or anyone else to tell me what I really want or even to, 
to direct me in the in a right direction. So at that time, I just said yes to to anything. So when I when I found my first partners, I said yes, let's go, let's just do it. You know. Yeah. So which means that we failed many times, but um, of course I learned a lot. The the main thing that's actually negative is that I know now that I could have done it something scalable much sooner. So mm. which means a scalable business in Europe is something different than in the US. Uh, even a non-scalable business, all the numbers are always divided by two or more, usually divided by, by 10. Even when you speak about investments, Europe is much more conservative and, and the numbers in the businesses are lower, which means that when you have an unscalable business, when you make a, a million euros of revenue, you're kind of already successful. You, mm -hmm. you have a successful business. But I knew that that's not enough for me, that I wanted something much bigger. And when I tried making these businesses scalable, for example, a marketing agency, I didn't know how. I tried, I tried, and I see... I couldn't. It was the same with the nautical school. For example, the, the legislation worldwide is so different from country to country. It was almost impossible to do it. I have mm -hmm. some ideas now how I could make a, a online just learning platform without the certification and so on. But at that time, I was just not successful to make it scalable. So I decided I needed to let go. And it was very hard to let go something that you built. But now I see it's the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be tough for you know, entrepreneurs that are, you know, maybe in a business that sort of has hit a ceiling. Um, mm. or it also can be hard for even somebody successful in sales that has maybe hit a ceiling, you know, in order to like, let go of something that they're comfortable with, that they know that, you know, is maybe from the outside would look, be very successful to other people to let that go and take a step forward or, you know, into a new chapter or to try something new that has more potential, more upside. Exactly. I totally agree. And this is especially true for people that have ambition. So if a, a sales rep or a, a BDM has ambition and if they have a ceiling and if they even have a hat in, in, in the system that they work in, it can be really counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so how did you know it was the right time to sort of walk away from that and, and try something new? Actually, I, I did it the other way. While running this business, I was looking for other opportunities. At that time, I was looking for someone who would buy the business. So in both cases, actually, the business would, was bought by someone close to the company, not an, an outside investor. So in the first case, the business was bought by other two co-founders. I sold it to them. While in the second part, the business was, was sold actually to a partner. So um, in this case, I was actually lucky that I found a buyer um, because maybe I couldn't. In that case, I would actually, even though the business was making a positive revenue, profit, I would probably close it. Mm, mm. Interesting. Now mm. I'm curious those with those first two companies that, you know, had a, a level of success, you know, did they provide a means for you or there, or were they things that you actually enjoyed or loved doing? Hmm. Difficult to say. At that time, I was so motivated that I actually loved doing it. The learn I was uh, at the steep part of my learning curve, so uh, it was great. But long term, of course, I would get fed up with it. So mm -hmm. to have an agency 
of any kind, that's really a, a repetitive work. Just to have one customer yeah. after another, it becomes repetitive. So um, it's really difficult as a marketing agency to invent something new for yourself, a new product. We see that on a market. So now, of course, everyone's getting digital, digital and so on. But um, probably I, I would get fed up with it. It's yeah. much different in the startup world where I'm at now where you develop your own product and the development is actually infinite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a, I had a feeling that was going to be your answer because mm. if you love doing it, you would probably still be doing it. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, when people typically a lot of entrepreneurs don't just start one thing. Uh, a lot of them, you know, similar to myself, I've, I've founded four different companies. Three have been successful, you know, seven figures. Um, and I found that, uh, you know, it, it's easy to get bored, even if it's at a level of success that a lot of people would be like, man, why are you walking away from that? Why are you leaving that? I would love to be at that place or be at that, you know, phase of entrepreneurship. And if you get bored with it, uh, or if you no longer enjoy or that passion is not there, uh, it's no longer fun and it starts to feel more like work and kind of defeats the whole purpose of being an entrepreneur in the first place. I agree. There is though another concept and it is passive income. I tried with both of them actually to create a something that would bring me passive income, but it was just not possible. My direct engagement was so important that yeah. when I when I went out, the, the revenue dropped. So if I would be able to create an entity that had that would bring me passive income, I would not close it or maybe would not sell it. But in this case, it was not possible. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of factors to consider, right? Like how much time does it take for you to be involved in that particular mm -hmm. thing? Do you enjoy doing it? Is there any yeah. sort of fulfillment that you get out of it? Um, or is there something else that you'd rather be doing? Or mm -hmm. is it actually costing you by not focusing on maybe something new, right? If it's taking you cost, away, yeah, right? If there, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. if there's opportunity cost, mm -hmm. then it's actually costing you money more, more money than it's making you. Yeah. And and we and I I love that you know kind of the place that we're in. Uh, with a lot of companies now where, you know, a lot of salespeople are entrepreneurial spirit people, mm -hmm. you know, whether they've fully taken the plunge or not, you know, they, they have a required skill set to earn in anything that they do. And, you know, more and more companies are okay with them having something else that they do on the side or a side hustle or something that they have passion in that's, you know, earning that passive income for them. Um, and I love seeing, you know, companies fully embracing, you know, uh, people on their team to, to have something else that they love doing that also can earn money for them as well. It's becoming a standard. I think that everyone that is employed somewhere is doing something at the side. It's becoming a standard. And it's, it's really funny. And when you're a manager, it's really something that you shouldn't, you shouldn't, um, prohibit because, yeah. um, it's just becoming a part of our, of our culture that anyone that's employed anywhere has something as a side business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think before, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of leaders were scared that, Hey, if I let, 
Marco do this thing on the side, you know, he's going to do it mm-hmm. on the clock. He's going to do it on our time. He's going to get it to a certain level and leave us. And maybe some of those things are true. Maybe not. Um, by But by not allowing people or restricting people or making it hard for people or making it awkward where they feel they have to hide that, mm-hmm. that's going to cost you way more because then they definitely are going to leave. If they're not happy, if they're not, if they don't have the autonomy to be the best version of their self in and out of the office, you're not going to have an, a happy employee and you know, you're going to have a high churn rate of people coming in and out of your doors. Exactly. I believe what we're uh, talking about, it actually comes down to culture and values within the company. So when you have a culture with values that, that embrace this, of course, autonomy and um, just trust at the end, yeah. and that people feel good and, and grow with you, then, then the, the risk of them leaving, even if they have a good side business, is low because they just cherish working there. They love the, the company. They love the values and they grow with it. So um, this part is very important. So I, I'm a big, big promoter of motivation. I mean, yeah, motivation 3.0 um, and this liberal new wave uh, ways how companies are organized and Taya is a company like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, if you invest more in the people and just not in the skills that are directly tied to the role that they do, you're going to have happier employees. You're going to have happier customers. You're going to, you know, have a better culture to drive better results overall. Mm -hmm. There is a scientifically proven fact that if your employee learns something new regardless of which field he learned it at not not something that he works on the employee is going to get better at what they do at their job yeah absolutely absolutely so tell me a little bit about the work that you're doing now um you know everything that you you know think uh, the the theme that i see here which which i really love is right even from beginning you know early childhood where you had struggles like all of that shaped and molded you you know to get to where you are today um i you know we have kind of similar uh, childhood background and, and you know as much as a lot of that stuff is tough and hard and you wouldn't really wish it upon anybody i don't regret any of it because it molded and shaped me into who i am today and i don't know if i'd be able to do some of the things that i've been able to if that was not my experience so you know for you having that experience and driving that motivation building these businesses having some success but not really being able to scale them at the level that you want to have you know taught you everything along the way to get where you are today so i want to dive into some of that sure the the interesting fact that um i actually consider myself a bit of, as an experiment because i have five half brothers and half sisters and they were all living with my father who was very wealthy at the time mm. and you can see the the difference how we all turned out so actually I'm the only one that that strives towards ambition, towards something more, while they are just feeling comfortable where they are, you know, and the motivation there, it just isn't there. When I speak to them, we're we're like from two different worlds. The question for them is like, why? Why would I do that? Why would I? I'm comfortable where I am. I I have what I need. 
So um, it's it's funny how how motivation come can come from pain. Yeah. Wow. That's that's very interesting. Um, and so tell me, kind of, you know, through these, you know, couple of exits that you've had. Um, you know, where you're at today and, and what you guys mm -hmm. are working on. And uh, let's dig into some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So now the, the company where I'm 100% focused now is called Taya. We're actually a software technology translation company. We are a translation platform, mostly for B2B sector, but actually anyone can come, which means that we're a one-stop shop for all your translation needs. You come to the application and you can order any kind of translation. But um, the whole thing is very much automized, which means, for example, you just drag and drop the document, the, any kind of document. We support 70 different file types. It can be any kind of office document, a PDF, a code, a JSON file, whatnot. You drag and drop it and the file is being automatically analyzed within seconds mm -hmm. and you get your quote immediately, which means you get how many words are there, how many repetitions and so on. And then you choose within the platform, you choose your quality all from with actually by choosing the service, all from machine translation up to, we call it TEP, translation, editing and revision. So human translation, you choose your quality, you choose the time, how fast you need it and you order immediately. And it's much safer, much faster. So we've we've been able to automize all this process that is done manually through emails, through sending out, uh, uh, receiving uh, quotes and so on. We've managed to automize the whole process. And not only that, within the platform, we, we actually added our own SaaS product that's called Catapult because we've identified a big wave coming companies more and more translate on their own. How mm. can they do that? By harvesting the power of machine translation. Machine translation is becoming really good. Not only the ones that we have, the professional ones, but, but also the free neural networks such as Google Translate and so on. And how they do it, for example, again, they just drag and drop the document and the whole content is already pre-translated by machine translation within seconds. They just post edit that document, so which means they just correct what needs to be corrected. They click finish and they download the document in the same formatting, in the same form, which means if you have a 100 page long um, DocX catalog with everything, with, with the whole formatting there, it's all kept intact. Wow, wow. Mm -hmm. How did you get started in this? So we started with the previous company that was a language school. We we started getting first, so myself and my uh, partner in the company, Mattia, we started getting first uh, demands for translations. And we saw that the whole industry at the time, this was three years ago, is really, really old. People sending files here and there over emails, people doing things in Excel spreadsheets, everything being really old and robust while a big wave was coming, a wave of automation and a wave of machine translation at the time, it's coming now, that's really killing a lot of companies that don't want to change, companies within, so which means LSPs, language service providers, translators that don't want to change because the whole automation and machine translation process 
the whole tech is really changing the whole the whole industry. Mm. So at the time we saw that, and even now we see it as a big opportunity for us that are tech savvy, that know how to how to harvest this tech, and uh, we use it in our advantage. So this is how we are much more efficient than other LSPs or other translation providers. And now we are starting a series of SaaS products where we will just give the power to the people to, to translate by themselves using just machine translation or then post-editing that. Wow. So, uh, and the other thing that, that was interesting for us was the size of the industry. So the music industry is more than 50 billion in size annually. And it's growing really fast because of globalization. Everything is being localized and everything will become localized to a, to the last series, game, app, everything will be localized into all world languages, which means that the, the market is rising, but at the same time, so it's three times the size as the music industry, but it's not as sexy because no one knows it because it's a business service in the background. Translation is something that, that is not so so interesting. So this is where we, we at the time, we saw that we found a, a sweet spot. Wow. Uh, this is really fascinating stuff. Um, I, I think that you're onto something here and, and I love your story and, and kind of your background and scaling these businesses that have all, you know, led you up to this, this work that you're doing now. And I can, I can feel the passion, uh, for the work, uh, when you're telling me about it. And, and that's always a Thank good you. sign. Uh, Thank Marco, thanks so much for coming on sales transformation mm -hmm. today. I really appreciate it. Uh, any final thoughts? What links can we include in the show notes for people to learn more about you and the work that you're doing or anything else? Mm -hmm. I would just include our, our uh, landing tie.io. Uh, our app is free to use. Anyone can, can sign up, can test it out. Uh, but what I, what I would emphasize that localization in general is becoming more and more important and people are starting to notice that it, it's a really good sales tool. Mm. There is a fundamental rule that if something, if it's a game, if it's a product, if it's e-commerce site, if it's localized to a <clears throat> native speaker, there's a there's a, a much higher probability of a sales being closed, which means that all e-commerce or any international businesses are um, getting more and more aware. So, which means that everything is becoming localized. And um, if anyone is in that kind of inter international business, I believe we are the right partner for them. Fantastic. We'll mm -hmm. include those links in the show notes for everybody. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. And as always, we're listening for your feedback. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free, salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad and I might even give you free access to our best templates.